Welcome to Food and Loathing, your seat at the party table in the neon feast that is the Las Vegas culinary world. You know the one, it's the table where they sit all the drunks, loudmouths, and people nobody else wants to sit with. I'm your host, Al Mancini, with producer Rich Johnson. Our guest co-host this week is Mercy Barron, whom you may know as the host of the All Forked Up podcast, a name that resonates with me because it's also the name of a show I made for Travel Channel that nobody ever saw, but that's a long story for another day. You're not bitter, are you? Not bitter at all. Well, bitter, you know, party of one. Basically, we went down to um, New Orleans, and um, I think a voodoo lady put a curse on me during yeah. that last section, and um, that's probably why the show never aired. That's my working theory. Um, Mercy however, is also the creator and moderator of the Las Vegas Food Fanatics Facebook page, which is a private page that has over 2,400 members, as well as the San Diego Food Food Fanatics Facebook page. You're a KCBS certified barbecue judge who publishes the Barron's Barbecue Beat website. Relatively recent Las Vegas transplant who has quickly become a major supporter of the local food scene. I had the chance to meet you at Chef James Tree's birthday party, so (laughs) that's about as inside as as you can get <laughs> right? um you know you're you're cooler than me because i i think i got my invite last minute i may have crashed i'm not sure uh, it's great that we, we chatted that night about it it's great to finally have you on how are you today thank you thank you hey i i'm really excited to be here i've listened to the podcast several times and having done uh more than a couple of podcasts <laughs> and been guests on them I, I love what you're doing, you know. I, again, local support. That's what it's all about. Thanks. Well, no, I do appreciate it. And, um, you know, I'm interested in what you do and, and kind of how you are just really trying to immerse yourself in the Las Vegas food scene using just the tools that are available. And, and it's the same thing you did in San Diego. What brought you to Las Vegas? And um, what made you decide to start those Facebook pages? Because they're popping up kind of all over. There's sort of this members only, but then you could just say what you want and, and recommend places. It seems to be like halfway embracing the crowdsource model, but also saying, well, I want to be able to boot your ass to the curb if you're a dick. Um, so, you know, <laughs> tell me a bit about, about running a page like that. Well, to answer your first question, what brought me here, uh, really, I had no plans to move to Las Vegas. Uh, we loved to visit. It was a place that, you know, like many, we'd come for the weekend, stay on the strip, gamble, go to the, some of the great food places. But uh, we were just, my boyfriend and I were just renting in, in San Diego, and the rent kept going up. Up, up. Oh yeah, yeah. We, you know, we've all heard about it. Well, it's true, and we were only living a block from the beach, so you can imagine. Uh, anyways, yeah, yeah. So I got a great offer to to come here. Uh, a friend owned a house who is now going to be selling it soon. So uh, <laughs> g- great after two years. Uh, so, but you know what? I I kind of feel like I live uh, in both places. I do. I still am very much in charge of the uh, San Diego Food Fanatics group. There, friends with a lot of the you know the chefs, owners all the food people. In fact, more community there than I've noticed here. I've had a much harder time getting that going here. And by community, I mean uh, we have groups of us that go to lunches together and dinners together and uh, attend some things together there. Here it's been a little bit more difficult. COVID uh, may have had something yeah, to do think? with that. Yeah, and, that, and of course that happened only nine months after we moved Yeah. Here. So, you know, yes, I had that to, to deal with also. Um, and I think it's just been a little bit more difficult. People warn me about Las Vegas, you're not going to find a sense of community there. And I said, bullshit. It's okay for me to say bullshit. Yeah, please say bullshit. And also fuck those people, I'm going (laughs) to say too. Because because I think this is a great community. And I think think there's this, this... 
phony this this idea that that we're not but i feel like this is like a small town where everybody knows everybody and everybody within certain industries certain cliques they they are really supportive of each other rather than competitive with each other chefs helping each other in this town like i've never seen in other cities um and this is what the chefs tell me as well and they seem to really get to know their customers well so i i, I am angry with whoever told you you wouldn't find that and i'm sorry it's taken you so so long to find it i hope you, you're i hope everybody yeah. um starts hanging out with you more and going oh, out for lunches you. Yeah. thank the, you the, the big question is a and w or the great greek when you stop in baker california oh, home of the world's largest thermometer oh gosh i you don't stop you don't, don't stop, stop, stop there really yeah. i try no. not to. i always go oh look there's the big thermometer yeah, you know <laughs> but yeah okay. um so you know that's I, about as no far as my <laughs> bladder will go too much information that's no okay. <laughs> and you know and but you know you're right al it's just it, it's really what you make it and i'm a very friendly person i could talk to anybody about anything at any time and that's just kind of how i live my life and you know it, it didn't hurt that all soon after i started the group which maybe not even i keep thinking it's only a year a little over a year ago mm -hmm. um i joe muscaglione who owns shanghai yeah. taste good guy really right good. great guy got in touch with me hey you want to meet for lunch and you know what that's kind of what set it all off and just the friendliness i mean at the beginning man we were meeting for lunch like once a week and stuff like and now we're sick of each other no <laughs> just kidding but great guy and joe and, and i have a heavy metal background that, and i'm in from new jersey so yeah and i'm a heavy metal singer and drummer for years in band so there we got that too but yeah so he you know that kind of started the whole thing in, in a sense and then just starting food fanatics i knew that would do it because i was on the other big group i i'm gonna just say mm -hmm. nameless at this point yeah um there's just like literally too many people on there and it's mostly tourists and that's okay you know um i i just knew that i wanted something more personalized more intimate i i think i might even keep a limit on how many people i i allow to be members on there because mm -hmm. i want more conversations i want people to talk more about where they ate where they can go eat and i don't want to just hear all the tourist chain crap you know right. but i also don't see as many of i go to some of the other big groups and some even my friends and myself i'm guilty of this kind of get obnoxious and condescending at a time right I'm not somebody, will allow say, that. somebody will say i like this place yeah. it's like well you're a dick for like yeah. that place. Yeah. there's see, a I'm, thousand better you've places. sold out yeah pardon me for being kind and courteous yeah. but you know i that's i'm not gonna allow that crap on the group i'm just not uh, i'm going to probably kick you out or at least give you a warning and say hey man if you can't be nice to each other go to the other group okay because they allow that there i guess so this is the part of the show where we talk about places we've been over the past week have you been any place really good you want to tell people about oh my gosh um well you know it's it sounds so common and stuff but um i, I rarely get to go to the downtown pizza rock because we live near the green valley resort one mm -hmm. uh, but there's like you know a slice that i love at the downtown one that you cannot get in green valley and that, yeah. that purple potato slice that i just <laughs> i'm crazy about and Excellent we slice. yeah yeah and my boyfriend is recently from new york and i was born there but raised in la so you know we're a little picky about pizza mm -hmm. and uh so yeah i just i always love it there but there's been some of the other places, but you're asking me off the top oh. of my head. I got yeah, it. Just where you've been on. recently. And yeah, yeah, I love the downtown Pizza Rock. They make like 11 styles of pizza there. Their New yeah. York slice is the only one I don't like, to be honest. The other 10 oh, I funny. love, but the, the slice window where they just do the yeah. New York street pizza, that's the only one that's that doesn't resonate for me. But I spent a lot of time living in New York, so it oh, just, yeah, they don't hit it go. with that one. Right. Um, 
I actually dropped by the opening of Nightmare on Spring Mountain, the new Halloween pop-up at the Sand Dollar Lounge on Spring Mountain in Polaris. We spoke with partner Nathan Grates about what's going on over there. We try to embrace the holiday. We try to keep it creepy and um, it's, it's, let's just say, mature, mature Halloween atmosphere. Certainly. Yeah. There's a lot of blood. There's a lot of freaky things. Um, um, but, you know, it's kind of everything you'd want in a Halloween bar. And you guys have created a special cocktail menu. Can you tell me a bit about that? Yeah, so, um, you know, we've got nine cocktails on the menu. They're all very uh, holiday-driven. Um, there's a pumpkin spice element to one of the drinks from a slushy machine that I think is really cool. It's one of my favorites. Um, it just almost like a, there's a, there's like a, a Werther's Old Fashioned. Uh, it's just really kind of unique, um, unique spins on drinks um, with a lot of Halloween elements in them. I know in the past you've done these special events. It's been, you know, almost kind of line around the block type of situation to get in. So in the age of COVID, how are you handling that? How are you handling reservations and the ability to get seated if you want to be a walk-in? Right. So we've got a limited amount of tables. Um, you can make a reservation on open table. Um, that begins October 3rd and runs till November 1st. Um, but, uh, yeah, we definitely encourage you if, you, if you don't like waiting in line, and we tend to have those sometimes, make a reservation on open table. Um, and we'll get you, we'll get you situ situated when you arrive. Uh, there's a two-hour limit to reservations. So we do um, kind of ask that after that two hours is up, if we do need the table for the next reservation, you'll allow us to seat them. Would you still be allowed to stick around and drink at the bar? Absolutely. And then it's a free-for-all after about 7 o'clock. Okay. So, yeah, it looked great over there. You can actually see some videos that I posted on the Food and Loathing uh, Facebook page. We just did a little Facebook living from there. A great werewolf holding the head of severed head of Santa Claus, one of my favorite uh, mm -hmm. little attractions there. The cocktails were great. And, yeah, holy crap, it's Halloween time again. Yeah, my favorite that. time of year. Are you kidding? Yeah. Favorite Halloween candy? Oh, man. I wish I could find some wax lips or something. I don't know. <laughs> I like those circus peanuts that everybody hates, and I like oh, candy yeah, corn. I like the garbagey things yeah. that everybody despises and mocks you for. If you're going to yeah. have guilty pleasures, I want mine to be sweet tooth ones. Right on. I'm a sugar freak, so yeah. yeah. Rich and I attended a media dinner at Hakkasan. Um, I wanted to get your thoughts on it first, Rich, before I share mine. You, um, you know, I'm looking back at the pictures, and <laughs> you know, I love everything in the moment, and then I couldn't tell you a thing about much that we ate, you know. I, I didn't much like the salmon. I love that sweet and sour chicken or to generals or whatever the heck it was called. Yeah. But I've had that chicken in a lot of places in strip yeah. malls too. Well, I think the thing about Hakkasan was, you know, we've had a couple phases of casino um, Chinese restaurants in this town. And Hakkasan Tao were kind of the first phase. Which they were yeah. that nightclub thing, right? And they were going to serve people. I, I feel it was almost like the kind of food you would get in a city like New York after you hit the clubs, right? Then you go down to Wuhop or something, right? So the yeah. dishes had to remain familiar. Also very similar to the kind of dishes that they have at um, Mr. Chow. You know, in L.A., right. which is also in Caesar's Palace. So there was, there was that. Um, I did find group. one. My my favorite of the bunch. Now that I see the thing was the short rib. Oh, or, mm, uh, yeah. On the big bone, all nice and sliced. That was a great. No day. teeth needed. No. Yeah. Um, and then we kind of moved on from that, and then we had this sort of really super authentic, high end, very pricey. The the Mutt Thirty Two places, and the you know all that where they want to sell you the super expensive duck. And then we then we right before COVID, we were doing a, a dim sum. You know, like Michelin star dim sum chains coming to Las Vegas. I love Vegas. good dim sum, yeah. And that's a much more affordable way to do it. But um, I did enjoy getting back in Hakkasan. So that was a lot of fun for me. I also finally made it into Todd English's Olives at Virgin. Um, I have two main takeaways that might surprise people a little bit. 
first, you can add these guys to the list of places where you can get dinner and a show. They have live music in the lounge, which you can hear all over the dining room every night. I was not expecting that, and um, I was happy to have it because that is definitely a growing trend here in Las Vegas. Second, I am a sucker for good bread service, and these guys have an amazing one. Freshly baked flatbread with herbs, lavouche crackers, a grassini breadstick served with a bowl of basil regatta, green olive tepanade, black olive tepanade, marinated olives, and olive oil, right? And most oh, importantly, yeah. you get all of that for free. And look, I understand there's an argument in favor of charging for great bread. It's, um, you know, and it's one of those, things. here's something you don't hear on social, see on social media every very often yeah. anymore. It's one of those things where I could see both sides of the argument, and I think there are legit arguments on both sides, but um, I am, it is my pet peeve when people charge for bread. It is the hill I will die on. <laughs> I feel about it the way a lot of people feel about free parking for uh, locals. You, I don't care if I'm spoiled, uh, a privileged brat. I grew up with it. <laughs> I want to keep it. So okay, bravo, Brad, olives. Brad, well, listen, really, are you going to refuse that $4 amazing loaf of bread at James Tree's? At Esther's Kitchen yeah, with that incredible butter. That. You know I what I do? I pay twice as much for that. You know, you know what I do to get around my um my aversion to paying for it? I order it with the anchovy butter so I don't feel bad Damn, about paying for it. Damn, how did I not go that? Are so that me? way, I just tell myself I'm paying yeah. for the oh anchovy God. butter. Oh, God. All right. Um, well, uh, yeah, I flipped over that bread. It's so freaking good. So Cool. Um, hockey is also back in T-Mobile. I've yes. already been to one preseason game on the food front. I wanted to mention that my favorites are back in the fortress, although one of them has moved. Graffiti Bow is now located yeah. in section 109 with Mark Marone's other concept, Pina Nachos, directly next to it. It could be a little hard to find, tucked into that curve in the concourse as you approach the smoking deck. Uh, Freed's Bakery, however, right where I expected to find them on the main concourse, cooking up mini donuts fresh to order. Ooh. And um, look, this isn't going to matter to anyone except people who are seated right, seated right near it, but I want to report that Capriati's is no longer under my section, section 104. They've moved. They've been replaced in the old spot with a Korean rice bowl, which does not stink up my seats nearly as much as those fried onions from Capriati's. <laughs> oh, Anybody else have a favorite? Have you been back to T-Mobile yet? Any favorite uh, No, foods? I haven't, but uh, let me just say for a second, I'm really not into sports, but hockey is the only thing I'm, I'm into. And I played for seven years, and I dated a very famous hockey player back in the day. If Ooh. I said his name, everybody would know him. Okay, well. Should I? Was it Slapshot Days? No, it was Yager. Okay. So, Whoa. Well, that's yeah. how old I am. And okay? I don't know enough about hockey to know who that is. I oh, do. Yager, but I do Yager? know where to find oh, I, 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 I bow down to your no, awesomeness. Thank you. I was also very old for him back <laughs> was, then. You know. Anyways, yeah. But I played for seven years when my kid played, so I love hockey. Uh, then you brought up Mark Marone. God dang. I mean, we've become friends, and I graffiti bow is, is close to me, so I love that it's there. I mean, there's a lot of good places. Freed's, I'm not going to go into because I okay. to too many great bakeries in Los Angeles and other places. But anyways. Okay. Uh, yeah. Well, well, we have more hockey to come. The Golden Knights have an official steakhouse. Also, Mer Mercy and I are going to dig into some cannabis edibles. Ooh. And a big reveal for Vegas Unstripped. Rich is on the hunt for fried chicken. Yeah. But first, I sit down with a one-on-one -on -one with Top Chef finalist Jamie Tran. This is Food and Loathing. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to Food and Loathing. We're joined for this segment by my friend Jamie Tran, owner of one of my absolute favorite off-strip restaurants in Las Vegas. One of my absolute favorite restaurants in Las Vegas, to be <laughs> completely honest, The Black Sheep. And spoiler alert, she was also one of the final five contestants um, on Top Chef Portland, where she accomplished the impossible, which is getting me to watch that show again oh. after 17 <laughs> seasons. I'm, I'm trying so hard not to be a fanboy, and I've already <laughs> failed miserably in the time I was setting up here being a Portlander and uh, watching every second of that as well. Man, I, ha- I have always loved Top Chef, but you know, it got a little old. The formula got a little old for me. I like yeah. Tom. I respect those guys a lot. But then I'm like, Jamie Tran's on it. Oh my God, I've got to watch this again. How? And Jamie, you did not disappoint me, man. You gave me everything I could have wanted from a show, including me screaming at you and yelling at you and getting mad at you. So, um, it happens. Uh, well, thanks so much for having me. We're in the Black Sheep right now, which as I said, one of my favorite restaurants. If people have not um, been over here. How do you describe the cuisine at Black Sheep? Um, I describe it basically uh, Vietnamese influence with French technique American ingredients and I always say it's me on a plate because I don't know how to describe it. It's just something I wanted to do and I wanted to be creative and just express my experience to the industry. My experience growing up and food I ate and food I, I traveled and stuff like that and it's just me just missing home and I decided to create something that I can share with other people. Wow. Well, I've, I've loved this restaurant. I actually came over here and kind of knocked on the door before you were even open. I didn't know that you were going to be attached to this restaurant. I was getting a sandwich. Like, I right? I remember. Tony Baloney. Yeah, Tony Baloney. So I'm like, what the hell is this place? And I came down. I'm like, oh, my God, this is going to be Jamie Tran's restaurant. This is going to be cool. And you're in a, a, a hot little section of Las Vegas right now. You're on Warm Springs in Durango. I just drove by the site where they're going to be putting up the new Durango station. They revealed photos of that today by the way or renderings I should say it's cool looks real <laughs> cool and um, they're putting on commons in over there yeah. draft kings are gonna have headquarters so you you were kind of a um, a pioneer in launching this little neighborhood what was this neighborhood like when you came over here um not that much I was actually a little a hendo girl I lived in Henderson so I went out in this area and I was like oh okay let's, let's figure this out um, and, <laughs> and, um my uh, partner John he was all like this is the area and then we're like, cool. And we just looked around and, and I was like, just make it happen. And we did. Is <laughs> anything here that I see here now? Um, yeah, they're all like, uh, well, the ice. Skinny cream, Fats was here, right? Skinny Fat was here. And then that uh, the ice, that dessert spot kept on changing. I don't know. Now it's some boba spot. That kept on changing. Then Tony Bologna went away. Which they never really called Tony Bologna. So I, just called, I just called it. They had the name on their, on their pizza oven, right? I yeah, think, that's so. what I call it. <laughs> I used to go there because they made a mean um, a, a roast pork sandwich, Philadelphia style. So I used to go there all the time for that. I had that too with the rapini in there. Yeah, yeah. The but they don't have that anymore. If you want to put that on your menu, that's a surprise for me one day. That would be great. I call it Al's Tony Baloney sandwich. <laughs> Al's Tony Baloney. Everybody says I'm full of baloney. Baloney. Me too. Well, you know, I've already posted on Facebook that I might be speaking to you today. People have a lot of questions. Everybody loves you. You're America's sweetheart after Top Chef. <laughs> 
Um, no, I'm sweet and sour. <laughs> I want to go back to the beginning, and I want to ask you, um, how'd you end up on Top Chef? Did you submit some sort of audition tapes? Did they come to you? No, they came to me. Like, uh, this is during the pandemic, and we were shut down. And, like, um, uh, they, they reached out to me, and I was like, oh, I don't know, because I don't do competitions, and I got I do have, like, a, like I guess you have... I don't know about stage fright, but it's, uh, I have bad anxiety when it comes to competition, so I don't do them. Um, so I was like, no, no, thank you. But then they were talking to me. I was like, well, okay, I'll listen to you out because it's the pandemic. We're closed down. Let me see what they have to say. And then um, uh, my executive at the time said, just try it out, chef. And then he said, oh, you can do this. And he's always been pushing me to do things like competition-wise. He you can do it. And um, uh, my best friend, she told me, like, just do it. And then so... I talked to them, and then I was like, well, it doesn't hurt to see what the process is. So we continued with the process, and I didn't think I was going to make it, to tell you the truth. I just I just went with the process, and then um, then I was on it, and I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I always wonder why people do shows like that, because, I mean, th there are a couple main motivating factors. Some people are attention whores. They just want to be on TV. They want to oh, be no. Kardashians or something. <laughs> I know you well enough to know yeah, that's no. not you. Some people are looking for investors. They're hoping it'll help get a restaurant, launch their first restaurant. Um, you know, other people want the prize money. Um, so you tell me, you keep shaking your head. You're shaking your head. No, 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 no. no. So what drew you to be on the show? Or is it, was, were you I, just bored out of your mind with COVID no, and you had to get out of the house? I honestly wanted to conquer some of my, like, I have like, a, again, like I had bad anxiety. So for myself, just doing that and just, I guess it was more self uh, improvement. I don't know how to say it. I I didn't think I was gonna win. The, I'm not gonna. I'm being honest. I didn't think I was gonna win it. Um, I knew I was gonna freeze up a lot, and I'm gonna do what I always do. Cause when I get like I get the shakes, I go and I make weird shit. <laughs> 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 I forget things, and I'm like, oh god. Um, so I did it for see if, cause I again don't do competition. Even when we're they do the backhouse bra, I always say no too, cause I get nervous, cause I don't want to do that stuff, cause competition's not me. So um, that's what, uh, I don't know, I think it's for myself and just also to show my staff if I'm doing something really uncomfortable, then they can do it as well. Mm -hmm. So that was probably my main motivator factor was me and just showing my staff that they can actually push themselves because I opened this restaurant wanting, before I opened this restaurant, I wanted, again, I think I, I, just, I told you this before, I wanted to um, just uh, like show people who are doubted that they can have opportunities and I was always doubted in my life so I did something so for myself this is another thing to show another example of pushing people I guess and myself as you got deeper in the show did your attitude about it and your participation uh, change did you get a little more motiva motivated I think after being eliminated on the fifth episode I was I had, I was still, I, I was, it was having, I was having a hard time, um, I guess, adjusting to being in the competition and just trying to make it each day. And I was just like day by day. I was like, I don't know if I'm going to make it. I just keep, and I got really bad nerves. But once I was eliminated, I was like, like a lot of weight got out of my shoulder. Then last year's kitchen happened <laughs> yeah. and I went back in and I think it's, I think my confidence changed. And I was like, 
what? I was like, what's the worst that happened? You get eliminated and you get to rest, you get to watch TV and get a bottle of booze. Why not? <laughs> okay, we touched on so many topics I wanted to hit on with you. And, you know, I'm not going to go moment by moment through the show. You, by the way, did a great job um, keeping Eater up to date during the show. People who want to go back and that are watching the show now, if we don't give away too many spoilers today, they oh. could go back and read your, your <laughs> weekly um, commentaries on Eater where you, you did kind of comment on what happened each week, which I thought was really cool for you keeping your fans in touch that way. Um, but we had talked about Last Chance Kitchen, so I'm just going to jump ahead. We're not going to go to your big <laughs> moment until a little later, but jump ahead. Um, when you got on Last Chance Kitchen, were you almost like, like I would feel like that's almost like a, an extra added bit of stress. Like when you kind of when you get eliminated from something, you feel like, OK, it sucks. I got sent home, but I'm done. Right. I could take a deep breath. And now they got that last chance kitchen shit hanging over your head and you've got to try again. What's the mentality like when you walk into last chance kitchen? The mentality I was honestly I was like, here it goes again. I'm going back to uh, going back to the war zone. And for myself, uh, just going into it I was nervous but honestly when I opened the door and I saw my friend Kiki and I saw Sasha and Brittany and Roscoe I I honestly it just oh let's just have fun like last chance kitchen is not to think it just uh going into it we just I just had fun I'm not gonna lie I think that was my one of my favorite moments is when I realized I'm here with like people in the same position as I am and we're just here to just support each other and just have fun and that's what I did. Logistically, is it like a survivor situation that everybody who's eliminated, they're sequestered and they get a nice hotel room for the, the rest of the run of the show and they have to stay out of the way and not go home? Um, it depends. Uh we are all in a hotel room, but you just get moved to another level. Okay, but yeah. You, yeah, you can't go home. You have to stay and sort of be out of the way. You have to be out of the way, and you have to do the last chance kitchen, and right. um, that's what I did. <laughs> so, you know, one of the reasons that I advise a lot of my friends against going on TV shows, unless they have a good reason to go on, is um, I don't trust anybody else to tell my story. You know, for a guy who tells other people's stories, that sort of sucks that I don't trust other people. <laughs> yeah. But I know that an editor can make you look any way they want to make you look. They can make you into whatever character they choose to portray. Even a, even an honest editor, even a good editor, and a, and a shitty one could do horrible things to you. But, you know, I, I do. I, I trust Colicchio and his team. I know those people. I know they have integrity. So I don't think they're going to try to screw anybody. But nonetheless, the way that you present yourself and the way that people only pull maybe four minutes worth of footage from you for every episode or seven minutes for every week to present to the world is going to be a different character that they're creating. So are you happy with the character that they created and how close do you think it is to the real Jamie? Um, they definitely show my like nervous, wacky side. Um, I'm glad they edited things down because I said weird shit sometimes. <laughs> uh, at one point I said I was going to punch a cow. <laughs> I was like, glad I didn't put that on. <laughs> I think I did put money on the cow and give the points <laughs> on that one. Well, I was describing Rocky, um, you know in the Rocky scene when he was like, da 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 And he was punching that cow. But I couldn't even so say it. So not a live it. cow. But not a live cow. cow. It was just like, I don't know, it didn't translate right now. All it came out of my mouth was, I'm going to punch a cow. I'm like, what? <laughs> God. But that was that was part of the beauty. And everybody loved the Jamieisms. I think people walking around imitating you. And, uh, you know, I, I think we should do a whole T-shirt line of you with just your noises on it or something. Um, let's talk about going to Portland and the, the entire vibe of this this season. What was it like being there in the middle of COVID? Do you feel like you really got to see the city and experience it? Or was do you wish that you had been a, had had a freer reign of it? 
I think uh, most of us, uh, and uh, me as well, um, felt like we didn't get to see most of Portland, to tell you the truth, because of COVID. And for our safety, we realized we were like we had to be protected and put in a bubble. And like Bravo did a great, great job of just protecting us. None of us, uh, none of the teams, none of the bat, like even the producing team and anybody, nobody got COVID during the time we were out there. So, um, and we were all in this, this bubble together and they were so great up at protecting us. And then we get why we, we couldn't go certain places because we, it was, COVID was still unknown and we didn't know like, co like it was during, and then the riots during that time too, we were just kept safe and um, wanting, we do want to explore like I we do talk sometimes like well like we like my I guess my friends I call them friends um we talk to each other almost every day other day I'm always talking to somebody and we always say we wish we can do a part two Portland <laughs> so we can really experience Portland and all of us come back and just redo it again right um but for what we were able to see we I did enjoy um I came back to Portland and I experienced it myself personally so uh, Portland's a pretty cool city. It, it was obvious going in. I mean, they set the stage from from episode one, probably minute one. I don't know. I've been watching so many. I don't remember yeah. <laughs> when they first said it. But you knew this was going to be a very woke season. You knew this was going to be a season that was really about um, embracing a lot of cultures, trying to educate people on a lot of cultures, having a very diverse team, a very diverse group of contestants, and really bringing your background to the table. I'm wondering, if you're going to be honest, did that ever get... T I, first of all, I loved that, by the way, and I think past seasons I've seen things on various shows, including Top Chef, but others, where I feel like they kind of give short shrift to, um, to certain ethnic cuisines and cultures, and they, they dismiss them. So I loved the deep dive that they did into ethnicities and people's backgrounds. But I do wonder, did you ever like kind of roll your eyes like I, I have to play this part? I have to I have to worry about the, the cultural, the educational aspect more than just the cooking? No, actually, when we all we didn't know who was going on to the show. We didn't even know each other, to tell you the truth. Uh, we met the first episode, like when the first episode is when we all got to see each other. And we didn't realize how diverse the cast was until we all got to see each other that day. And we thought that was pretty cool that it was definitely diverse. Um, I don't think we had even time to even think about like being diverse. We all, all of us were just like, okay, okay, let's get through this. Let's get through this. Like, I think that was mm, for most of us trying to get through it. So that's funny episode. because that, that'd be an example of what they can do with editing, right? Because, you know, you watch the shows and it was very clear that that was an obvious theme. And again, I enjoyed it as yeah. a viewer, but I didn't know whether it was kind of hanging over your head while you were filming it. Like, let's make sure we talk about our culture in this scene, like that kind of stuff. No, d definitely. No, they, for my, for my part, I think the, I talked about random stuff and wacky stuff. I don't know. I was, like, <laughs> <laughs> I was more like, I don't know. <laughs> okay, so here's the deal. You talked about the protocols and the rules and wanting to go get a drink. Um, those who don't know Jamie Tran, <laughs> the best way to get Jamie out of her shell is to say, let's do shots of whiskey before pretty much anything. I'm, I think if I were to bring you to church, oh. I would ask you to do a shot of whiskey with me before we went in. So, um, I, you know, I've noticed that maybe ever since they shaved Marcel's head, the People have been a little less uh, intoxicated on that show. So did you get to really cut loose and party or, or did they kind of have a, a leash on you folks there? No, we only had uh, wine and beer and you get full off of that. I'm, I'm <laughs> allergic to wine, so it didn't help me out. 
And then I had beer, but then it gets you full. And then you're like, so no, we didn't get no like a shots loosens up. I <laughs> beer, beer definitely loosened me up at some point. Like I think after the second quick fire, I was like, oh my God. I, and I went straight into the back and I opened myself a beer at 10 a.m. and just drank it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. How close, and I don't mean like friendships necessarily, but just getting to know them, how close are you able to get with the judges? Because I know they want to keep a certain distance. So do you feel like you got to know those judges during the time you were there? We, they kept us very separate. So the only time we were able to talk to the judges were when we're during the competition, but besides that, you we were kept into the separate quarters. We were sep definitely separated. Um, I just and I, I can understand why they would do that. So you know, it doesn't cause any you know bias or anything. I don't know what. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but towards the end, at the end, that's when we were able to um, talk to them a little more when the show was over. It seemed like the uh, the alums were there a lot more in this season, and that I assume was maybe a COVID thing because they were as uh quarantined as you were yes um they were pretty cool they like we weren't able to get to, we got to know them as what they judged us but we didn't have a personal conversation with them but they seemed they're really cool actually like um knowing that they've been through it and they were in that seat and just like you know it, it was a little, a little comforting to know that you're being judged by somebody who has been through your, your shoes yeah, they, they know what you're going through and they know the, the real challenges of it. Although I'm sure that the folks like Tom and, and Gail, they understand it at this point pretty well <laughs> also. Okay, look, let's get to the part where I was screaming at my TV. This is the part where if I didn't know you, I probably would not have liked the Jamie Tran character I saw because I would have thought that you were trying to play me. But I do know you. So, um, so it was cool. And I know it was legit. And this is probably the part where you captured the hearts of millions of Americans, <laughs> right? And except me because I'm a cold cold-hearted bastard and it me made too. it pissed me off um, <laughs> but yeah you know, well you were not a cold-hearted bastard and i'm talking about this is the biggest spoiler episode 11 there's five people left episodes called blind ambitions if you want to watch this um maria whose character and again i say her character because i don't know her character i did not like during the show right so i was waiting for her to get kicked off <laughs> just as a character you know yeah. i'm sure she's a wonderful human being um and she is getting kicked off and then jamie offers to go home and this is after you've been back from your last chan chance kitchen second chance what is going on in your head and are you just were you just sick of being there at that point or or did you just i, I don't know because you made me mad um, I think I just had a different perspective and like I been eliminated. So I didn't think it was a, like me going through. I had like less of like, you know, uh, a weight on my shoulder as the other contestants because they weren't eliminated. And so for me, I was going through the competition in a different perspective. Um, so for myself, it was more being on the show about my self growth and my experience. It, w it wasn't more about like, uh, and my, my thing is like, I always say, like, you can make money when you're, like, supposed to make money, and it's going to come to you when it's supposed to come to you. But for me, like, creating an experience and connecting with people, it lasts longer than, like, money. So for myself, I bonded with Maria and a lot of my castmates. Um, so just, uh, you only see a small, like you, you said, two, three minutes of what, what us standing there. But we stand there for, like, two hours, three hours, four hours. And we're with each other 24-7. And this is a judge's table. This You're standing judge for hours. For hours. So um, just standing there on the sideline because me and Maria are on the bottom. I just noticed that, she, like, obviously, uh, if I care about you and you're my friend, I don't want you to go through, like, um, a shitty 
experience filling on and she was pacing back and forth and I, I and she was not doing well mentally so um I felt really bad because I was standing there smiling and laughing at the jokes and then I looked over and because for myself I've been eliminated I didn't think it was that you know mm-hmm. I knew that I had a good it makes you think like you have what you have at home and stuff like that so for myself I just saw her and like she wanted to grow and she always doubted herself because she didn't go to culinary school she wasn't like you know um, cooking was like she picked up herself she didn't have a mentor and things like that and I just like and as a friend watching her just go through shit and hell next to me yeah. I felt really bad so my thing is like if as a friend if I can help her out I, I try to help her out and I was like you know what if, if even if she stays one more episode too I don't know or she makes it to the end at least she gains that confidence because I gain confidence from being eliminated and being pushed back in right. so so the that was definitely specific to Maria. If it had been somebody else, you don't think you would have made that same gesture at that moment? Mm, no, I don't think so. It depends on the friendship and stuff. But it's just because Maria, she kept on saying she, the confidence and she was lacking and stuff like that. I think that will last a lifetime if you like you're able to share a moment and give somebody uh, an opportunity to boost their self-esteem or make them. I don't know how to say it. It's just like. Well, in retrospect, what do you think would have happened had the judges said, okay, go home, she's going to stay? I mean, do you feel that that would have... And I, 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 can, I know you well enough to know that you were sincere at the time, right? Yeah. You weren't just playing to be America's sweetheart, right? No. I know you. Oh. I know how real and how I'm legit you are. Um, so, no, and I've seen you be mean, so yeah. like, <laughs> I, I like, can deal with that. People, uh, but, I'm but, mean. <laughs> you know, I, I do wonder, like, if you look at it in retrospect, do you feel like if she had gone on, but that's how she had gone on, do you think it might have kind of marred the, the competition or would have said something different about both of you two as chefs? Or are, are, are you glad the way it turned out or do you wish she had, that they had taken you up on that? If they took it up on me, I, either or, I wouldn't, I wouldn't bother me. Um, I feel like if she took that second chance, she would have just fought for it and mm-hmm. kept at it and she would have had her second chance. And even if she, if she made her mom make it, I think that would impact her life. And even when it, we didn't switch, it's, we still talk about it. And she said uh, to me, nobody has ever been that, uh, like, that, uh, I don't know how to say it. She said, nobody ever has been, like, um, that nice. I don't know how to say that it. kind to her? Yeah. She has kindness, but nobody ever had that kind of gesture. Right. And Yeah, I mean, it's a huge gesture, and there's a lot at stake. Um, that being said, I'm judging by the way she performed on the show, how, how good her food was, how well it was received. I'm pretty sure she's going to do okay for herself yeah. <laughs> after being on that show, <laughs> yeah. regardless of who took who up on that effort. Um I've got, okay, Rich, actually, Rich has a question from Facebook. So that's Actually, these, you know, a couple of hours ago before we taped, you put up a hypothetical invitation to people to ask this hypothetical Vietnamese-American comfort food chef some hypothetical questions. <laughs> here are All a couple. I, I, will, I will hypothetically edit as I go, and, and this is one as, as a home cook. What is the, the spice that no Vietnamese chef would be without in her kitchen? At home. Spice-wise, I don't know. Fish sauce? I don't know. It's not a spice, but it's like yeah. fish sauce. Uh, definitely um, the three crab that hung one. Um, that's my favorite. Uh, fish sauce, mm, fish sauce definitely, yeah, that's a must-have for everything. Um, I looked at those questions, too. Will Tran wants you to call your mom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you know, 
don't even know my mom. <laughs> <laughs> any, any other any, good question? And any James from just off Main Street asks, why does she bail on brunch all the time? <laughs> oh, <laughs> yes. I do. <laughs> Sorry, James, you bail on me too. Uh, we get busy. <laughs> and a couple of questions about, A, a is Padma nice? And B, can I have Padma's number? And That's I'm, my brother sorry. wants to know if Padma's nice. Yeah. She's brother, nice. And my brother, I don't like think... so many gay men I know, is obsessed with glamorous, beautiful women. <laughs> She's nice. I don't think you can give out numbers. <laughs> Did you see her show on, uh, uh, I think it was Hulu? Uh, I don't have Hulu. Oh, okay. Yeah. She did a very nice show, sort of in the Anthony Bourdain tradition of going to various spots around the country and mixing. She did uh, a very deliberate job of mixing cuisine and politics and oh. immigration and uh, assimilation. Went back to her old neighborhood in Jackson Heights and in Queens and went down to the border near El Paso. And Padma, if you ever want to come on this show, I promise I'll keep my brother away from you and you're welcome <laughs> oh. at any time. And she came to Las Vegas and did the whole story about the Thai wives of American servicemen from Vietnam who came here in the early 70s and said, what do we do? Let's open a restaurant or two or five or 26 <laughs> along Spring Mountain Road. It was pretty good. I, I digress. But this no is worries, man. We love to digress. Um, a couple more quick questions about the show, things yeah. that I need to know. Uh, the, the magic of editing, you guys always look like you're never going to get your food on the plate. Right, it looks like it looks like you're always ready that you're going to send empty plates out. How frequently are you down to those last thirty seconds where you're still panicking, or that last sixty seconds that you're still panicking? Most episodes, and most of the episodes is true. It's not editing; it's us going, "Oh, shit!" Okay, another couple quick ones I want to run through. Anything that you made on that show that we're going to be able to find on the black sheet menu? Hmm. Like hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's not encouraging. I I haven't like oh, uh, cause honestly I I went there and I used what ingredients they had there. I didn't bring like you you can bring some ingredients with you. Well, I, I bet you could find those ingredients here. I uh, hear well no in like Portland. like I just came up on the whim of my head with some stuff and stuff I'm familiar with. But yeah, the people have asked for things like uh that I would put on the menu. And then I haven't thought of that, to tell you the truth. <laughs> well, I think you should, and I think you should do a um, Top Chef tasting menu. And while you're at it, why don't you have uh, Maria come on and, and do one with you or something we, come down here? Ooh. We're actually, I'm actually, because just this year, I just want to make sure that I'm like just evening things out and stuff. But next year, you're going to see a lot of my fellow buddies coming mm-hmm. here. And um, I haven't, like Vegas is going to happen for sure. And they're going to, I'm going to have people from like my friends want to come out here and enjoy Vegas the way they know I love Vegas and they're like let's get lit and they're like we have to dress, even if we have <laughs> to hang out the whiskey will be flowing uh, the ah. whiskey will so um, definitely you're going to see a bunch of my buddies come through town starting in January and each month they're going to make an appearance and you're going to see certain crazy little I, little well, that, nights I've got, <laughs> I'd like just fun. like the show I've got nice little uh, inobtrusive wireless mics I can put on <laughs> Well, in the meantime, just book me a table for each and every one of those. I'll pay in advance today. So just, I like that table back in the corner. That's my favorite table, back there. Really <laughs> Speaking of this place and this space, have you outgrown it? We have grown it a long time ago before the <laughs> pandemic. We were trying to go find a space, and then all of a sudden COVID happened. We didn't know what was going to go on, so we decided obviously not to expand. Um, now we're back on that track of wanting to expand this um, this space 
It's really tiny back there. It's like 300 square feet. I, so is your yeah. goal to just do a larger black sheep or do you want more restaurants and do you want more cities or do you want to stay in Las Vegas? I mean, what's the Jamie Empire plan? Jamie Empire plan is expand the black sheep. Um, haven't thought really, I don't think anytime soon I would ever like open a restaurant outside of Vegas. I think Vegas is home for me. So I'd rather grow home and make home more, um, for our comedians said, like we're all trying to develop Vegas. So I'd rather make Vegas like home home. So I don't think I'm gonna focus what about, on anything outside of Vegas at the moment. No. Sorry, I stepped on you there, but what about uh, more TV? Now, I know you said competitions aren't for you, but, you know, once you've done well on one of these shows, they, you, they almost put you in a rotation sometimes, right? Where you, yeah. you come back and you're guest judge and you're in the all-stars and you're in the greatest hits or the screw-ups or the, you know, whatever, <laughs> or you get your own, and then eventually, hopefully, you get your own spinoff or what, whatever happens. Like, there's, there's a machine at work there. So, I'm not asking you about the inner workings of that machine, but should we expect to see you on TV anytime soon again? Not Maybe? anytime soon. I'm like resting on that bit. I just want to focus on the <laughs> restaurant. Um, competition wise, no. I I think I enjoy just like kind of like this kind of things. Like just they have filmed me naturally and just me talking my nonsense, then I'm up for it. But if it's not me talking my nonsense and me competing and looking at the clock, I don't think I want to do that. Okay. <laughs> the clock is scary <laughs> awesome jamie thanks so much for having me i love being in the black sheep even though there is no food being cooked right now but i may have to come back tonight with soup for dinner um it's great to be here thank you best of luck anything you do you know you can always come on food and loathing and we will be happy to support you i will be back in a moment this is food and loathing this episode is brought to you by reese's peanut butter cups in breaking news Leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's peanut butter cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Welcome back to Food and Loathing. I'm Al Mancini, joined again by our producer, Rich Johnson, and our guest co-host, Mercy Barron. It's time for the news, and unfortunately, I need to start this off with some sad news, at least for fans of the landmark New York City restaurant, Rayo's. Our friends at the restaurant confirm that after nearly 15 years in Caesars Palace, that local outpost is closing its doors. Their final night of service there will be Sunday, November 28th. I have some more details on my blog, theneonmohawk.com, if you want to read more about it. In other news, we have word on some new chefs to announce. Locale, which has had a few marquee names running its kitchen during its relatively short history, has a new executive chef. His name is Leo Barrera, and he's a veteran of the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas and the Sterling Club. Also, our friends at Sparrow and Wolf have announced Travis Schultz as their new executive chef. For those who are new to the local dining scene or were once kind of living like hermits even before COVID, Sparrow and Wolf is one of the most critically acclaimed off-strip restaurants in Las Vegas. In my opinion, it deserves 
all of that praise and more. Uh, Travis was in there when I visited a few weeks ago before this was all made official, and he came out to my table to talk and to show off one of the new dishes he was playing around with. That one, um, I don't think it's on the menu, but it is a play on the Japanese octopus balls, and um, it was a lot of fun. It shows the type of um, playful creativity and meticulous attention to details we've all come to expect from Brian Howard's flagship restaurant. So I am excited to see what else is up his sleeves. Mercy, are you a Sparrow and Wolf fan like everybody else in this town, or are you going to be the um, the one naysayer? I'm going to not lie to you at all and say I haven't been there yet. Oh, my goodness. We've got to yeah. get you in. Uh, I, I don't know oh, why yeah. I haven't, but I just uh, haven't. So, And, you know, sometimes finances is a little tough. So, I understand. You know, but I'm yeah. dying to go there. It's at the top of my list. Great special occasion restaurant. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, I promised you a little more hockey news. Barry's Downtown Prime in Circa has become the official steakhouse of the Vegas Golden Knights. I can't think of a better fit, to be honest. Barry Day Cake is such a, um, a celebrity magnet at all of his restaurants. I dropped by the restaurant to chat with Barry and his partner, Yassine, about the partnership. We love sports, right? And what the, what the Golden Knights bring to Vegas is something special to the community. We, we feel we want to be a big part of the community. And who better to, um, I guess, could you say represent is us with the Las Vegas Golden Knights. And we, we, we want to be a part of the, of the community, being a new restaurant downtown. Uh, there's a lot of charitable work that they do. We want to get involved with them doing that. You know, and that was part of uh, talking to Yassine and Marcos saying, hey, let's get on board with the Knights. We love hockey. We supported them from day one. Being from Rhode Island, a Bruins fan growing up, but quickly overnight became an instant Golden Knight fan, and um, I love what they do here. And um, they always come into the restaurant, and whenever I was at Scotch 80 or here now, they're, they're flying in, and we want to be part with them. Yeah, and that says a lot because, you know, I know at Scotch 80, they were there a lot. A lot of times the people didn't talk about it. A lot of times somebody would kind of nudge me and be like, hey, guess who's over in Scotch 80 right now when I was walking around the casino floor? Um, so... The fact, though, that they have followed you here is a testament to your relationship with them as well as the food. Um, but taking it to another level of making it official, I'm, I'm guessing that had to be a more complicated process. So what was involved and whose idea was it? How did it all come about? Well, it was... Uh... We, 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 said, we said, you know, other than having the guys in for dinner um, and, and, and having guests see them, let's let's try to work with them a little more and, and officially and, and put it on paper. So actually one of their, one of their VPs was in for dinner and uh, we just started talking and it was an idea. And then it took about six months for us to work out a few details. Um, some stuff that we can't, uh, you know, share yet, but it's going to be exciting on, on opening night and a couple of other, uh, several home games. We're going to be doing something with, uh, with uh, the halftime. Um, again, like Chef Barry said, we're going to be officially doing stuff with them with charitable foundations as well over the next three years as part of this uh, sponsorship. And um, we're going to be hosting them here a lot too. So it's uh, just, just took it from something where they were coming in as individuals and having dinner to make it a little more official. Uh, and we're located in a casino where ownership and, and the mantra of the hotel is sports. So we wanted to definitely be in good rapport and have something in writing with one of the best sports team in the cities. So what I have to ask you is, what Golden Knights fans are going to want to know is, what are the favorite dishes of various players? Can you hit me with one or two? Something they always come in and get? Yeah, definitely the uh, the Barry steak. Of course, they love the Barry steak. Uh, a lot of players love the uh, gnocchis with white truffle cream, and a few of the guys uh, like the Japanese wagyu tenderloin with fresh truffles. 
Okay, so bravo to Barry and Yassine, and now we know what we can we can eat what the Golden Knights eat when we go into um, to Barry's <laughs> Downtown Prime, which is a, a beautiful room, and they were just nominated for some design awards as well. Also, in keeping with our Top Chef theme, Carla Pellegrino has a new restaurant coming to Rainbow Boulevard near the 215. Anybody remembers her? She was kind of the anti-Jamie Tran when she was on Top Chef um, Masters, I think she was on. Um, anyway, she was she was fun, and she's a longtime Las Vegas person. They had a grand a red carpet grand opening on Friday, but I couldn't attend. Then I popped my head in the door on Monday, and the place wasn't even open yet. They're still interviewing employees, but I've been told the official grand <laughs> opening on that one set for October. 28th and speaking of restaurant openings rich are you an eagles fan you excited about the eagles coming to vegas in about a week or two if i knew what that was i might be right oh see the 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 eagles if you grew up near philadelphia it's not the eagles nobody talks about the eagles it's the eagles and when i see my old friends and families it's always about that and people who say eagles instead of eagles um for those guys there are a few better places to watch one of their games than chickies and pete's and it is now at the Sahara uh, with their beloved crab fries, cheese steaks, and cheese on the bottom pizza. I have to admit, um, I was already away at college, um, away from the Philadelphia area when these guys opened for business, so I don't have any real nostalgia for them. But whenever I'm visiting family, we end up at one of their locations, so I'm sure we'll be there every time I have family in town. And whenever I crave some blue crabs, because I was excited to oh, see yeah. they have blue oh, crabs yeah. on the menu there. And you don't get them in a lot of places. No, in, no. In but we, we have a great Philly place out here. You know that, right? Well, you've been trying to get Lucino's. me to go to Luc- Lucino's. Well, yeah. I've been saying Lucino's. He told me it's Lucino's. Ah, but anyway, like Joe, me and Mancini. Jo- it's, it's be Mancini <laughs> yeah. There you go. Exactly. Joe Scalero, really. Uh, yeah, we got to get there together. I mean, his Philly steaks, everything. And the whole place is just decked out in Eagles memorabilia. Okay. And I actually gave him some pennants that I have that were – because I sell vintage stuff, too, so – he was pretty thrilled. We got to okay. get over there. Well, we'll go watch an Eagles game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, finally, I have one more interview to share with you. Vegas Unstripped is nearly upon us, and its creator, Eric Gladstone, is finally ready to reveal the location for the October 16th festival. So we're almost there, almost Vegas Unstripped time, and I understand you finally are able to announce the location? I am, and sorry to keep everyone in suspense. We're going to be shutting down Main Street in the Arts District. Uh, between Imperial and Colorado is where it's going to be. And uh, we're really excited about that, to be out under the lights on the street itself. We just kind of felt like, you know, what do people do when they have festivals in other cities, in real cities? They shut down the streets. So that's what we're doing. Awesome, man. And you've got a lot of chefs there. I remember uh, Bryce Krausman and I were trying to read through the list the day that you announced it, and it was it was huge. And we just started laughing. I had to keep stopping and taking another breath. Um, any additions, any deletions? How many people total do you have? And tell me about a few of the notables. We do have a few changes. Uh, it's been interesting just kind of because of uh, labor issues and a few other things. Some people have had to drop out, uh, but we've got some other people coming in who are just as good, and we're really excited about that. So uh, so we've got Oscar Amador from Edo, of course. We have John Arena from Metro Pizza doing something really special. Uh, Johnny Church, of course, Sonia El Nawal. Uh, Justin Kingsley Hall, of course, has done all of these events, so we wouldn't do it without him. And Brian Howard, of course, has something really special planned. We've got desserts this time, so Karis Kawana is doing something special. 
our, our favorite Valerie Stunning, our, our, our head creamstress, is going to do a special flavor for us. We're also going to have Angela Sweetser, uh, the Queen of Hearts, doing some really cool sweets for us. Um, we've got Matt Meyer from Served coming in to do something really cool. Danny Andiveros from uh, Carved Steak is going to give everyone a preview, a Carver Steak, Carver I'm sorry, steak. of what they're doing there, which is really cool. Um, now, is, wait a second. We were supposed yeah. to be unstripped. Well, you know, that's the name, and that's initially where it came from, but that's because originally it was set up as, a, as, a, um, as an answer, in a way, to Uncorked, and Uncorked is now gone. So we really felt that especially after COVID, there was no need to have this kind of antipathy or this kind of strip versus unstripped attitude. In the culinary world, they all, they're all you know, of like minds. They all think alike. So we really do want to include strip chefs. And going forward, we're definitely going to try and include more strip chefs. And I'm guessing you wouldn't have um, allowed me to crash your house on a, on a weekday night when you're busy working if there weren't tickets still to be sold for this thing. <laughs> so are tickets still available? How much are they? Where can people get them? Uh, they are still available, and thank you for asking. You can go to VegasUnstripped.com. VegasUnstripped.com. It's one word. Uh, tickets right now are 115 plus a, the lowest service fee we could find uh, for that. Um, that's what they are. Um, you might uh, find a coupon code out there if you know where to look, hint, hint. Uh, but, but it's 115 until we're going to have to cut that off a few days before the event so chefs know how many people to prepare for. And then day of the event, it's going to be a little bit more, but still an amazing deal. If you, if you are a late comer and show up late, uh, you can get in. I definitely can't wait for um, Vegas Unstripped. I will be there. We will be doing some live streaming probably right before it opens. Um, we'll be doing some live streaming from the event. We're going to set up a table there. So if you're at Vegas Unstripped, please come by and chat with us. Are you going to be there? I will be there. So I will be chatting with you. Yeah. Is there anybody in particular you are excited about seeing? Yeah. All the places where I haven't been yet. And I, I <laughs> and really, I Same haven't here. been everywhere. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. Yes. Yeah. It's a great way to really um, catch up all at once. You know, people right. Look at a hundred and fifteen dollar price tag, but that's your food, that's your booze, that's oh, everything, yeah. it's a and bargain. Um, and you yeah. get Damn to then bargain. talk about twenty five chefs that you may not have had the chance to sample their cuisine exactly. before. Exactly. So um, yes, be there, come see us. We will even put you on the air, probably. Right. Yeah, that's Depending the thing about the chefs are. are right there across the table. They're not in the back expediting and yelling at at, at stages. They're here to talk to you. Yes. And finally, before we get to cannabis, it's time for Rich's Junk Food Report. I'm thinking we should uh, mix up the order, maybe do cannabis before junk food in the future. But for now, oh, I see. Is, yeah, yeah, yeah I see this, where you're going. There. This is how we're doing it. But um, go ahead, Rich. All right. So I've been on the hunt for fried chicken, you know, not strips, not boneless wings, not Nashville hot sandwiches. I want actual bone in chicken fried in a in a ton of oil. I would love it if I could find some place that would do pan fried chicken, but nobody does that. That's just too labor intensive. Um, and we're talking drive-in style, not the full-service sit-down. So we'll talk about Yard Bird and Crack Shack and Blue Ribbon another day. Yes, as you can guess, since I've, I've shared that my baseline pizza in my youth was Shakey's. My oh, base, yeah. My baseline <laughs> chicken is KFC because I'm old enough to have gone to KFC when it was not KFC. When they had words. That's yeah, right. when they were actual local restaurants. There was one in Portland called The Spec because it was literally eight seats. And it long predated the day that Colonel Harlan Sanders drove up and knocked on the door and convinced the guy 
to put this chicken on the menu, selling him the urban spice recipe or the prepackaged stuff, and eventually the pressured deep fryers that made KFC KFC, and the revenue model, the colonel got a penny for every chicken sold back there in 1955, 56, which made him a lot of rich pennies. guy. A lot of pennies. A lot of pennies. You know. Today, KFC, owned by Yum Brands, includes 22,000 stores. I look at the, I've, I've got one in my neighborhood. Please like, tell me you're not reviewing KFC to this week. Just a little bit. <laughs> just a little oh bit. When you go to KFC, what it's a when it's, I just let Rich yeah, go. It's a matter of timing. <laughs> you know, you get, when they thumb, come out of the fryer, they're, they're pretty darn good. It's an hour later, yeah, don't order the breast because it's going to be pretty dry. I like Popeyes. I have no trouble with churches or when I was back east, Bojangles. They're all fine, and that's about it. Uh, have you been to the the place that's beloved by Philippine expats? There's two or three of them now around the valley, Jollibee. I just have to say, of all the fried chicken places in the valley, Jollibee is one of them. <laughs> yeah, so that's yeah. about it. But okay. I found some good stuff yesterday. I went to Trask's Chicken and Fish. It's a father and son team from Chicago. Southside Chicago Chicken, which means wings as big as your forearm it's on rainbow just north of highway 95 been open about two months a really nice job and it's really like you would get in the middle of the city chicken to order so it was a 20 minute wait french fries on top a couple of hunkers a couple of pieces of white bread underneath and and sauce to dunk it in or dip it in or whatever you want to do i think the proper south side chicago way is to just pour it all over the things. I didn't do that. I, I, I tried the hot and the mild. I think it was Frank's Red Hot, which is my go-to at home, so it was fine. So, Trask's Chicken and Fish. I will come back. I, this is this is what I don't get about you, Rich, and you've, we've been doing this show together for, for a <laughs> while now, right? Now, when you discover a place like Trask's, why can't you just discover a place like Trask's and throw the other seven places you mentioned prior to that oh. out of your rotation, Context, out the baby. window, Context. just stop going to them, <laughs> never go again, and just go to these family-owned places? You told me you had to wait like 20, 30 minutes yeah, to yeah, yeah. well-made order, right? I mean, like, yeah, that that's real. That's not junk food. That's food, yeah. Rich. Yeah, yeah. It shouldn't be Major a junk order. We're not going to call it junk you food have anymore. A junk food report. You should only talk about good substitution. And I can't call it a fast food report either because it's not that fast. No, we got to the, the modest. Done with your junk food. Okay, a modest food report. How's we're that? We're going to fix you. <laughs> All right, we're going to get send, you off of these chains. Send me a better name for my section of the no, show. My only little start time in this is whole that hour. You still are praising those fast food places. <laughs> I will. Uh, you know, oh, but again, context. Now that I've been harassed, I probably will not be going. Never go back to those camps. FCs. Never. I can't promise that. Never back. <laughs> okay. Um, in the meantime, it's time now. Now, and I should have done this before we talked fried chicken, but it is time for our edibles report. This is from a company called Incredibles, and this is their peanut butter Buddha. Yum. Uh, it's a candy bar. It is peanut butter and pretzel flavored. And I've got to say, these candy bars, you know, we talk a lot about the dosing and how clear it is. You know, because when you do a Rice Krispie treat, it's impossible to figure out how much of the, of the 100 milligram bar. This is a 100 milligram bar. These are all stamped into nice little 10 milligram squares. They're easy to just as if it had been a Hershey bar. You could break them into their sections. And then within those squares, easy enough to break it down if you want to microdose. So you only want a quarter Wait, of one of these. each square is 10 milligrams? Each square is 10 milligrams. Oh. It says it right on it, 10. It's got okay. the number there. And then, you know, what I'm going to do is I'm only going to take probably about two and a half milligrams, a little piece of the square. Right. Mercy, please help yourself sure. if you'd like. And, of course, if you want to eat the entire thing, you could do that. Get the whole 100 milligrams. Oh, Just damn. Don't expect I would eat me the whole, to walk you I'd through that. I'd eat the that. whole box. 
These. Oh my gosh. These are good. I've got to say, wow. this is. I like everything about the dosing. I don't like that there's not a resealable package for saving it, but chocolate doesn't really go bad. Throw it in a. No. Is that chocolate or peanut butter or well, a little it's a of peanut both. butter? But it's oh, okay. it, It's reminiscent. Yeah. I mean, this is just. If this were being sold, nobody told me that there was any THC in it. Um, as kind of a Reese's peanut butter pretzel yeah. bar, Delicious. I'd be like, this is freaking good. Rich, yeah. do you want to try a little bit? No. no. Yeah, you're not going to feel anything on a little piece like that. Because yeah. 10 milligrams, you don't even, I don't even usually yeah. feel anything. So. so what do you think? I really... Uh, Absolutely delicious, as a lot of edibles are. You know, that's the problem. You can overdose pretty easily. But I like how they've made a big square like that, so you get a nice chunk of it, and you get to, you know, you can take three or four bites and be a little delicate with it, whatever, but delicious. Yeah, I think this is this is a really rock-solid product. Um, and, again, it comes in that commercial candy. Like, you're not, con- not going right. to put this up against, you know, a pastry chef from Bellagio or anything. But no. compared to the ki- kind of candy bars that you eat when you're stoned, this is a freaking good candy bar <laughs> yeah. you know and um so bravo to the guys from incredibles because i've had other products of theirs that didn't necessarily resonate with me but this one this one really does so um i am digging that all the way from carson city nevada manufactured yes. by gti nevada llc so that is it for this episode of Food and Loathing. I really want to thank our guest, Mercy Barron. Mercy, tell people how they can um, follow you. Thanks. Uh, I also have Barron's Barbecue Beat, Barron with one R in the middle. And uh, the, I have that uh, as an Instagram page, on Facebook, and also as a website. And then, of course, you're all welcome to try to join Las Vegas Food <laughs> Fanatics, and maybe I might approve you. <laughs> cool. Next week, we have a barbecue episode coming up. You're going to want to tune in for that, and I'm going to get a little bit of um, of recording from Mercy before she leaves here today that we could use on that episode as oh. well, given her expertise. And please tell a friend about Food and Loathing and say nice things about us, especially on Apple Podcasts. But either way, we want your feedback, your likes, your retweets. Find everything you need to know about doing all that on Al's website, theneonmohawk.com. And one other thing, you can reach us direct, info at foodandloathing.vegas. Thanks again to Mercy Barron and Jamie Tran. With producer Rich Johnson, I'm Al Mancini. Stay hungry.